0: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode, championship episode of Double Move Sports. As always, I'm Steph. I'm here with my best friend, Alex. Hey, everyone. We're
1: super excited for championship week. Thank you to everyone that's been reaching out on Twitter. It's awesome to see how many of you guys that have been following Double Move are in championship weekend. We're super stoked to help give some great takes on today's show and throughout the weekend on Twitter and help. Everyone out there win their fantasy football title, so stay tuned.
0: We got some awesome stuff planned for today's show. Yeah, we packed a ton of value into this episode. It's going to be a great one. Going to get you guys ready for championship week. Alex, how was your week 15? Man, I tell you what, it was a blast to sit back and watch some of these games
1: I'm out in my personal league, unfortunately, the league that we're in together, Steph. But, but man, I had a couple awesome DFS lineups this week. I used some of our starts of the week. I used Minshew in a couple. I used Tannehill in a couple. I had actually some pretty deep sleepers. I had Greg Ward, who had a great game. I had Danny Amendola, who had eight catches for 100 yards. So it was awesome to just look at some matchups and win some DFS money. That's always great. Uh, we had some awesome questions on twitter shout out to heavy metal dino he was able to win last week we were able to help him out and get in his championship and then also shout out to tx Lowline. we've had some great twitter discussions uh, he's been a great follow and it's been great to go back and forth so an awesome
0: football week for me steph tell me about yours all around, it was a fantastic week, just like you. Yeah, I was watching the games, but didn't really have anything to play for outside of DFS. But I still had a fantastic time watching it. I was watching with some buddies. Um, shout out to my guys, Nolan Smith and Josh Qualen, both good friends of the show. They are in a championship this week, uh, both good friends of ours here. So just wanted to shout out those two guys. Best of luck to both of you all. And, and uh, they both have some interesting decisions to make in fantasy. I also want to give a shout out to... Uh, Jose Adrian on Twitter. We were DMing back and forth. He had a tough time deciding between Patrick Laird and James Conner coming back from injury. We told him to plug in Laird, avoid the risk, and it worked out for him. Uh, He also started Edelman as well. We thought he might not hang on after uh, putting up a pretty rough game, which we'll get into some of these bounce backs here. But he did pull out a win, so congrats, Jose. Uh, Excited for you in the championship. Hope you pull it out. And then one more shout-out, Maximus Prime on Twitter. Max, I hope the Marlin Max start pays off for you this week and hope you win a championship. Follow us on Twitter at Double Move Sports if you don't already. And we do have a show on YouTube, it's called The Fantasy Film Room, and we do some other content on YouTube as well, but we go through uh, a player's touches and targets for a week. Sometimes it's running backs, sometimes it's wide receivers, sometimes it's even tight ends. I actually just dropped one on one that might be a bit of a hot take, which is OJ Howard. I do think he is a streamable tight end in the championship week, but go check that video out and I think I'll talk about him a little bit later here on the show. Uh, and Alex, it's it's been rough in the uh, Shriners Charity League. We got destroyed by Kenyon Drake and Jameis Winston. Man, I was disappointed
1: because we actually had a pretty good week. I we think did. we put up like 189 points. Uh, we had some awesome stuff. We had the tight end stack again of Ertz and George Kittle have great games. We streamed Minshew in our Superflex. We had the Lamar Jackson breakout game. And, of course, we're going against Patriots defense. We're going against... Uh, Kenyon Drake in his four touchdown explosion, and then Jameis Winston, who just keeps throwing for more and more yards. So, unfortunately, we took the L there. Edelman's, um, his only bad game of the entire season really hurt us. Robert Woods hurt us a little bit, but it's been fun, and good luck to those guys over in Shriners. Can't wait to see who pulls out that championship this week.
0: Absolutely. So, Alex, are you ready to get into it
1: this week? I'm ready to get into it. And just as a disclaimer, anyone who might not be still in their fantasy league Maybe try out some DFS this week, take some of our bounce backs, take some of our starts of the weeks and our deep shots, and, and try your luck at DFS. It's it's an awesome uh, way to play. It's, it's a lot of fun, and you get anybody you want on any given week. So I just wanted to plug um, some DFS lineups real quick because a lot of our deep shots, sometimes you're not going to want to start in your Real Fantasy Championship, but maybe you want to plug them into a DFS lineup, and we'll talk about
0: that a little bit more later in the show. Absolutely, and the philosophy that we're going to take with this week's show – we are gonna go, yes, you know, absolutely, we're still gonna give you our sleepers and our deep shots and our desperation plays, but we are gonna take a yo know, championship approach. You know, if you're starting um a guy like Phillip Rivers at quarterback every week, you probably didn't get into the championship game. So we're kind of elevating the level that we're going to go in terms of how deep we are uh, in these leagues and with some of these picks. So just keep that in mind. Some of these may not be hot takes, but we're still going to break it down for you so you know who exactly you need to start and how you can win a fantasy football title this year. And without further ado, Alex, let's jump into it here. Bounce back players of the week. What we're going to do, guys, is just go through a couple different players that had really rough weeks. Talk about, hey, can we start them in the championship? What's our confidence level there? Again, we're going to be a little bit more conservative uh, with these takes as it's championship week. We don't have time to, you know, take a shot on a guy or see who pans out. It's it's either boom or bust this time of the year. You either win or go home. So the first one here is Derrick Henry. He was against Houston, who were uh, it seemed like a pretty good matchup. They're 18th against the run. But Henry only had 8.6 fantasy points. Uh, he had 21 carries, which was fantastic, 86 yards, which was pretty good, but it was a second game all year without a reception, and one of only three games this year that Henry didn't have a touchdown. So how do you feel about Derrick Henry as a championship play?
1: If, if you've had Henry all season, you've been extremely pleased, and this week in your championship, you've got to leave him in your lineup. They do have a tougher matchup against the Saints, who are sixth against running backs, But even this past week, I know he only had 8.6 fantasy points, but he still had 21 carries in the game. He just didn't pull out a touchdown, and Henry's been awesome this year. He's running back six on the season. I know he has had that hamstring issue, so maybe you manage his expectations if he's active but if he is active you've got to keep him in your lineup he's still getting a ton of volume and he actually had a limited practice today after not practicing at all last week so it does seem like he is healing a little bit and if you've got Henry you got to keep him in he's got the most touchdown upside of anyone at the running back position and he's getting a ton of volume yes I'm starting
0: Derrick Henry in the championship I am as well, and you know the only thing I think that really gets taken away from him, with whether it's the injury or it's just some game script, is just the passing work. You saw Deion Lewis get an uptick in snaps this week with some of the injury, and I, maybe they're just trying to limit Henry. Uh, maybe it was due to injury. Not really sure, but it looks like he should be playing, so I'll plug him right back in. Maybe just uh, bring those upside expectations down a little tiny bit talk about another guy here was Melvin Gordon against the Minnesota Vikings. He only had 7.4 fantasy points in PPR leagues. And just as a, a reminder, all of our points here are PPR. We're just big PPR fans. That's how we like to play. But Gordon had seven uh, rushing attempts, only seven for 28 yards. And then he had five receptions for 36 uh yards on uh, through the air. This was his worst rushing yardage since his second game back in week two I'm sorry week eight uh, he also lost two fumbles in this game it looks like he was benched for a minute in favor of the people's running back Austin Eckler this week he plays the Raiders at home they're, they're 21st against running backs is Melvin Gordon right back into your lineup I am yeah I'm putting Melvin
1: Gordon right back in when he came back off that holdout he shook the rust off in his first couple of weeks but since then he's been really solid. Uh, This past week was actually his first time under 11 fantasy points in a week since week seven. So he has an extremely high floor, and he's had a couple awesome games in there with 20-plus points as well. So I expect him to be right back out there as the starter this week. It did seem like uh, the Chargers were a bit frustrated with him after the two fumbles. But even though he only saw seven carries in this game, he saw seven targets, and he had five catches with those targets. The, the Chargers got blown out here. He was a bit game-scripted out. Justin Jackson even got in the mix and got seven touches in this one when he hadn't been seeing touches all season long since Gordon's return. So they play Oakland this week. Oakland is 20th against the running backs. It's a pretty good matchup. So, yeah, I'm putting Melvin Gordon right back in. And, and if I had Derrick Henry and Melvin Gordon, the two guys
0: we've already talked about, I'd be super confident heading into championship week. Moving on to the next one here. Phillip Lindsay burned a lot of people. I yeah. Fortunately or unfortunately for us, our opponent in the Shriners Charity League did start Philip Lindsay and we still lost somehow cuz Lindsay only had 3.2 fantasy points. He had seven carries for 32 yards, zero receptions. And I saw some Broncos fans on Twitter kind of raging out, saying Lindsey's a bad running back. He should be limited to just a third down back type of volume. But Alex, how do you feel about Lindsey in championship week versus Detroit, which should be a really nice matchup?
1: Yeah, I don't feel super confident in Lindsey, but I think, yes, I am still starting him. This is a guy that's really tough because his matchups in the past several weeks and his volume have pointed towards being a solid start. He played Kansas City this past week, which going into the game, they were the 32nd ranked defense against running backs. Now they're 31st after they shut down Lindsey, uh, but he had been seeing great volume since the buy. 16 carries, 13 carries, 17, 16, but he wasn't doing a ton with it, and I think just because of the volume that he gets and the great matchup this week against Detroit, who's 29th against the running back, I think you can start Lindsey. They were trailing last week against Kansas City, and he got a big game scripted out this week against Detroit and Blau and the Lions. I do expect them to be leading in this game, or at least putting up a fight, so I expect plenty of work for Lindsey in this one. I think he has a pretty good shot to get in the end zone. So I would definitely take uh, Henry and Gordon, who we've already talked about, over Lindsey. But at, at this point in the season, Lindsey is, you know, a really solid option. He He's had a pretty good year. So if Lindsey's gotten you this far, I doubt you have that many better options. He's running back 19 on the year, so I'm fine rolling him out there.
0: Yeah, just one of those games. I feel like this one uh, was one where... You know, bad offenses sometimes just struggle. Not not every player is going to come out there and, and do fantastic. The Broncos' O line has been suspect, and, and games like this are just uh, kind of what happens uh, when you're a guy at Philip Lindsay's level, kind of more matchup dependent and can burn guys uh, who may have started them. Uh, now, quick question for you: Who would you rather start this week, Devin Singletary against New England in Foxborough, or Philip Lindsay against Detroit at home? Wow. That's brutal. I. Asking for a friend. That's tough. I. Eileen
1: Singletary. Eileen Singletary, he's been getting a ton of work uh, over the past five games. Singletary's seen 15, 21, 14, 17, and 21 carries. He also gets receiving work. Uh, he's gotten two or more catches in his past three games. He's really coming on strong there. It seems like he has really taken over as the lead back. In Buffalo, he's not splitting as many carries with Frank Gore anymore. So even in a tough matchup with that receiving work, I think Eileen Singletary, but it's close. It's definitely close.
0: It's pretty close for me as well, but I'm with you. Both guys are explosive. Uh, I mean, when we compare them, I, I just like Singletary uh, uh, just a tad bit more than Lindsey just because he can burn you. Uh, but now let's move on to Marlon Mack, who had a brutal game. Uh, essentially, all the Colts had a terrible outing at new orleans on monday night football i'm sorry alex for the loss there marlon Mack was 11 for 19 on the ground and this is what makes Mack, you know a guy who's an rb2 range and not an rb1 he can he can certainly have those amazing games on the ground and he's a great rusher but he's just not the type of guy that's going to take over a game especially with his lack of usage at all in the passing game so alex you know are you thinking about starting marlon Mack this week I am and I will
1: talk about Mac a little bit later in the show so I don't want to say too much right now but he was basically game scripted out against New Orleans as a Colts fan that was a tough game to watch but the silver lining was I honestly forgot the Colts were even playing because the Saints had the ball for what felt like the entire game Um, so he does play Carolina this week who is last in the league against running backs they took that Um, baton from kansas city after this past week as the worst so he's still seeing volume and we'll talk about him later but yes uh, to kind of foreshadow uh what we'll talk about later in the show i would be willing to start mac this week
0: absolutely i hear you there i'm excited to hear what takes you have to say about him alex i want to call you out real quick i saw you putting out some hot takes you want levy on bell to the colts Hey, I think Mac is a great player and a great runner, but the Colts
1: need playmakers right now. And Le'Veon Bell behind one of the best offensive lines in football on a team that needs weapons outside of Ty Hilton, we got cap space. I'm not, I'm not saying it's gonna happen, but I would not mind to try that to try that experiment out here for the next couple of years and see if we can use Le'Veon to make a run into the playoffs.
0: I'm with you there. I think it would be interesting. I think Indianapolis is a great landing spot for Le'Veon Bell should he leave the Jets. Let's start talking about some wide receiver bounce backs. Amari Cooper, a guy that we were pretty confident in starting this week uh, on Saturday night and, and Sunday morning QA on Twitter, but he went one for 19 on just two targets, and it really just seemed like the Cowboys didn't need him. You know, Dallas went up big early. And listen to the combined stat line amongst Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, and Randall Cobb. You ready for this? It was three receptions for 22 yards. That's a bad game for one wide receiver, much less three combined. Is Amari Cooper going to be a guy who's startable going forward? Yes, I'm willing to start Amari Cooper
1: this week. You just have to know that this is in the range of outcomes for him. He is still wide receiver 12 on the season, so we know that this guy is elite. He's a wide receiver 1, but he has games this year of 1.3, 0, 2.9, and 6.8. But I do think this past week against the Rams was just a weird game, and they dominated this one on the ground, which is not – I mean, they're a great ground team. I'm not taking that away from their O-line and from Zeke, but they're usually very balanced, and they like to throw the ball with Dak Prescott. He's having a very good year statistically. So if you look at the box score of this one, and if you even watch that game at all, you notice they ran the ball a ton. They ran it 45 times, and they only passed it 23 times. I think that's because they jumped up so early and were having so much success. So this next week, they're playing Philly. Philly's 29th against wide receivers. It's a huge game for playoff implications. It's going to be competitive. I think Amari Cooper is fine to play in your lineup. I know I've heard some rumors about Dak Prescott uh, being limited in practice for the first time in his career, so keep an eye on that. I do expect Dak to play, but if Dak doesn't play, obviously Cooper is out, but I do expect Dak to play at this point, so Cooper should be a guy who you are willing to start in one of your wide receiver spots.
0: I agree with you there. I think Amari Cooper – Still, he's a wide receiver one. He's a must start uh, unless, you know, there's other circumstances. Now, another guy who was my start of the week last week, unfortunately, if you started him, he probably burned you. Uh, he was against Dallas. So in the same game, he was just four for 17. It looks like there were issues with the Rams O-line, issues with Jared Goff, and their next game is against the 49ers. So you expect to get a get-right game for Robert Woods. He's been dominant, you know, up until uh, a little stretch of dominance, I should say, up until this last game.
1: Yeah, I'm willing to start Robert Woods this week. I would definitely consider him for a wide receiver two spot or a flex. He did only have the four catches for 17 yards against Dallas, but we just talked about that game, and it was a little bit of a weird one. I'm honestly throwing that one out. Uh, I don't expect that to be a trend for the Rams. So in his previous four games before that Dallas game, he was averaging eight catches for 115 yards on 11 targets a game. That is an incredible line, and I expect him to keep that up moving forward. Maybe not to that level, but at least to be consistent enough to be a strong start. He still had nine targets in this game against Dallas, so the volume's there. The production has been there.
0: So, yeah, I'm willing to start Robert Woods. Two more wide receivers here. Another one in that wide receiver two kind of range he has been pretty solid all season was Jarvis Landry in a good matchup against Arizona. He only went 5 for 23, 7.3 fantasy points. Odell Beckham had a great game, which was one of the – I was re-listening to last week's podcast, and, Alex, you loved Odell, and that panned out, out, but it looks like it was to Landry's detriment. Are you plugging him back into your lineup? Landry's a guy I'm willing to flex. I
1: do like Woods and Cooper more than Landry this week, uh, the two guys we've already talked about. But he still saw eight targets in this game against Arizona. It was a tough one for him. They play Baltimore this week, who – is 19th against wide receivers, but we know how suffocating that defense has been all season long. So I think they're going to need to keep up with the Ravens. The Ravens have the highest scoring offense in the league. So the passing volume, whether efficient or not, should be there for the Browns. We know they're going to be airing it out. Landry should see eight to 10 targets. So I'm willing to flex him. I'm not overreacting and, and plugging someone in straight off of waivers that that shouldn't be in my lineup. But uh there are a lot of guys I'd be willing to start over Landry but I think you can still keep them in your lineup for this week
0: I agree with you 100% there all these guys that are in that 12 to 24 uh, overall scoring range are guys that you know where you see games like this it's why they're not in the top 10 or the top 12 just because they are a little bit matchup dependent and they can have down games which you know we saw from here for Jarvis one more we need to talk about it just seems like the 49ers don't need him at all. It was Emmanuel Sanders against Atlanta, which should have been a good matchup. And he was only two for nine. So that's 2.9 fantasy points in PPR leagues. Seems like they would just rather uh, hand off the ball or throw it to George Kittle.
1: I am not starting Emmanuel Sanders this week. I have no confidence in him. He's been so boomer bust since joining San Francisco. Over his past six games, he's only been over eight fantasy points one time. So he has been burning you over and over and he hasn't seen double-digit targets in a game since joining the Niners. So the vol- he's had a couple nine-target games, but the volume hasn't been insane. He's been incredibly inconsistent. He's just not a guy I'm trusting in championship week. They play the Rams, who are middle of the pack, 15th against wide receivers. So, no, I'm not starting Emmanuel Sanders.
0: I'm with you there. I feel like we're going to see Sanders a lot in flex questions this week. I'm going to pivot the other way. I'd rather look at a guy like Odell Beckham or even Michael Gallup or Terry McLaurin, which some may say that's a hot take, but I'd like all those guys uh, over Sanders this week. Now, two tight ends we're going to touch on. Hunter Henry, he just played against Minnesota Only had 2.9 fantasy points, and that's two receptions for 29 yards and then a fumble, which took away pretty much half of his fantasy points. He hasn't had more than two receptions in a game since week 11. Is Hunter Henry a trap in the fantasy championship, even in a nice matchup against Oakland at home? He is. He's a trap, and I don't know what happened with Henry since
1: the bye, but... I remember a couple weeks ago after the two reception for 10-yard game, we had him as a bounce-back candidate. He bailed us out with a touchdown. That next week he had two for 39 and a touchdown. So he probably convinced you to start him again this past week and then another dud. So over the past three games, he only has three, four, and two targets. That is no target volume. I don't know what happened, but even in a good matchup, a lot of people are going to be tempted to start him. They know the name. They know what he's been doing this season. But if you really just – double-click down to the past three weeks. The trend has not been good. Keenan Allen is still the number one target there, but Eckler and Gordon are also taking away a ton of volume through the air, and then obviously we know what they've done on the ground. And Mike Williams has kind of um, emerged here over the past couple of weeks as well. So with all those other options, Henry's not a guy I feel good about starting, and he could always have a touchdown, but I don't trust him. I would play – Higby over him I would play Hollister over him in a great matchup or OJ Howard guys like that I'm willing to pivot to over Hunter Henry this week
0: 100% agree I think Henry would not be wise to plug in there could could lose you a, a championship title last tight end we'll talk about and last bat bounce back candidate we'll talk about was Jack Doyle so another cult we know how they did against New Orleans he had two receptions over 21 yards and this week he plays Carolina and I, I guess the Panthers coaching staff have had their defense practicing against their offense a lot because the Panthers are second against the tight end position this year. Uh, I'm not plugging in Doyle, even if I'm desperate, not in the championship. Uh, Are you Alex? I mean, I'd rather start OJ Howard or Dallas Goddard over him.
1: No, I'm not. The Colts passing game has not been good. T.Y. Hilton played last week. He should see even more snaps this week. So we know Doyle is moving down uh, the The chart as far as who Jacoby is going to throw to in that offense. Like you said, I was really surprised to see how good against the tight end Carolina was. I guess they're focusing so much at the tight end that they're not guarding any other position just (laughs) so they can have something uh, to be good at. And so, yeah, I expect the Colts to be up in this game with Will Greer starting for the Panthers. I expect them to run a lot in this one. And if they get up early, I think they're just going to run that ball and run that clock. So no, I don't think Doyle has a lot of potential here in this game and I'm trying to pivot away.
0: Yeah. We're a long way from, you know, his monster game in week 13, we're at 19 fantasy points against Tennessee. Now let's shift over to the flagship segment. One of our favorites every single week. I'm pretty pumped for this one. I think we got some spicy takes here, but a lot of really, really good stats that support it. It's our starts of the week. So as you guys know, we're gonna go quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, and we're gonna throw out a guy that you know you may be iffy on starting. These aren't our sleepers or our desperation plays. It's these guys probably uh, aren't on your waiver wire. Maybe they are, but you know we want to give fantasy owners the stamp of approval or the confidence to plug in a guy that maybe has a tough matchup or is coming off a rough game. So Alex, I'll put the ball in your court first. Give me your quarterback start of the week in Week 16. Well, after the past two weeks
1: rolling with Ryan Tannehill, I thought about going with Ryan Tannehill for a third straight week, but I couldn't have myself do it. At this point, Tannehill's probably locked into your lineup anyway. So this week at quarterback, it's a bit of a hot take, but my start of the week is Ryan Fitzpatrick. The Dolphins play the Cincinnati Bengals, who are 24th against quarterbacks this season, giving up 19.4 points per game. And since taking over the starting job, back from Josh Rosen, so that's nine games of a sample size that we have for Ryan Fitzpatrick, he is the quarterback five. Incredible. In that stretch, he has more points per game than Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan, and oh yeah, defending MVP Patrick Mahomes. So those guys I just listed are guys that you're locking and loading into your starting lineup almost every week. Yet Fitzpatrick has actually averaged more points per game than them over the past nine games since he took back over. So this is a guy that you can trust. He actually leads the Dolphins in rushing yards, which is incredible to think about. Since taking back that starting job, he's averaging four fantasy points a game with his legs. So Ryan Fitzpatrick, great matchup. We know what he can do. He throws the ball a ton. Devontae Parker's been awesome. Lock him into your lineup. I expect a really solid game this week against the Cincinnati Bengals.
0: I'm with you 100%. I actually had Ryan Fitzpatrick as my start of the week as well um, before pivoting. This is the game we've all been waiting for, the Bengals versus the Finns. It's the poop bowl. And with Miami being at home this week and their next game being against the Patriots in Foxborough, I think this is really the last huzzah for Fitzmagic and the Finns' offense this year. And his stat lines, surprising to me, are not reliant upon touchdowns or yards. His average stat line, since he was named starter, is, you know, 63% completion percentage, 262 yards and one and a half touchdowns. So that's a pretty, you know, even baseline there. I like Fitzmagic a lot this week and you know, believe in the magic in your championship. So I'm looking at some of the championship rosters in either leagues I'm in or in some of the, you know, guys asking us questions on Twitter, sending us uh, screenshots of their lineups and and feel free free guys uh, who are listening, you know send us your lineups. We're happy to take a look. Uh, just send us those on Twitter. But I'm seeing names like Baker Mayfield, Jimmy Garoppolo, Josh Allen, and if you're one of those guys who has this player stashed or you plugged him in last week, I want to give you confidence to start Jameis Winston in the fantasy championships. If you look at how he's played the last two weeks, he's less than 100 yards away from hitting 1,000 yards over his last two games. You can tell Jameis is hungry, he does not want to lose his job as a quarterback in the NFL... I know a lot of people clown on the Buccaneers this year, but they have the same record as the Cowboys. They're 7-7. Seven and seven. And on the season as a whole, even with the poor play and really down weeks, early in the year, Winston still averages 20 fantasy points a game. Now, the biggest knock on Jameis is his lack of receiving options with Mike Evans and now Chris Godwin out. And a lot of people think Jameis is going to struggle with no one to throw to, but the thing is his top receiver last week was Brashad Perriman, who ended up scoring three touchdowns and was the wide receiver two on the week. It's definitely not a bad take, in my opinion, to say the Bucs will struggle, but I think if even if it's garbage time alone, Winston is still startable. Now, I do think Godwin out, and a slightly tougher matchup compared to Detroit with the Texans, which is still a decent matchup, but Winston's upside is a bit capped. But when your upside is 30 points two weeks in a row, I think James is not only a safe play for 17-plus fantasy points, but also a guy who has upside if he continues playing the way he has. Uh, in what should be a ripe fantasy matchup and game script for Jameis Winston plug him in and hope his receivers are decent enough to move the ball downfield I love Jameis this week
1: I love that Steph and shout out to you for last week with Brashad Perriman as one of your deep shots of the week and he turns out as the wide receiver too so great pick there that's back-to-back weeks of great deep shots Darius Slayton two weeks ago Brashad Perriman last week uh, so, yeah, I think Jameis is a great pick, and I think the Buccaneers are going to throw the ball regardless of if they're throwing to offensive linemen or throwing to Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. So, so that's a great pick. Now, moving on to the running back position, my start of the week is a guy that I foreshadowed earlier on the show, and it's Marlon Mack. I know a lot of people got burned by him last week, but if you were able to survive to the championship, keep him in your lineup for this week. Marlon Mack plays the Carolina Panthers, who are 32nd, dead last, in the NFL against running backs, and since the bye week, which is an eight-game sample size, the Panthers are giving up 36 points per game to the running back position. So 36 points per game, even split a little bit of that off to Naheem Hines, give maybe a piece of it to Jordan Wilkins, and there is still plenty of opportunity for Marlon Mack to have an incredible game. The Colts are ninth in the NFL in rushing yards a game, and after what they did on Monday night against the Saints, I have no doubt that they're going to try to possess the ball a little bit, get some time of possession in their favor, and run the ball, which is the biggest weakness for the Carolina Panthers. So if, if you look at the season for Marlon Mack, he actually averages significantly more touches when the Colts win. He averages 21 touches a game in wins and only 16 touches a game in losses. And against the Panthers with Will Greer starting at quarterback, I expect the Colts to win this game. I expect them to have a lead. I don't expect Mac to get game scripted out like he did against the Saints. And I think he should see a big workload and be very successful. And 100 yards and a touchdown is very realistic for this week.
0: Going back to the well, I see in the running back position, you liked Chris Carson last week against Carolina, and for good reason. I mean, he had almost 40 fantasy points. So, yeah, I like that pick with Marlon Mack. My running back start of the week, it's not a hot take, but it's big trust Mark Ingram as a must start this week, no question. He's RB10 on the year. He's a pivotal part of the best offense in the NFL right now. He averages over 16 fantasy points a game. He has touchdown upside, and he plays my Browns, who who have given up monster games lately to Kenyon Drake and Joe Mixon, letting those guys average almost six yards a carry on the ground. That would put you at your second in the NFL if you were a six-yard per carry running back. And the Browns this season, on average, give up 20 points to the running back position. Mark Ingram helped you get into a fantasy championship last week, and you are 100% playing him again. and, And I love him as an anchor in any of your DFS lineups. Plug Mark Ingram in there. Expect 20 or more fantasy points. Uh, He has full confidence from Double Move Sports in the championship.
1: Love it. Doesn't get much better than the best running back on the best rushing team in the NFL in a good matchup. So, yeah, we've actually had a lot of questions over the past few weeks involving Ingram. So I'm sure there's going to be more this week. Uh, There's the Double Move stamp of approval. Plug him in and let him lead your team to a championship just like he's done all year. I have a bit of a hot take at the wide receiver position, so I want to preface it by saying this is a guy that is my start of the week only if you need the most upside possible. If you're the one seed or you're projected in a super competitive game, I think you actually pivot away from this guy. But if you're clawing your way to a championship and you got there and you're looking at your opponent who is the one seed, who has the dominant team, and you need every – point every possible um, piece of upside you can get to take that team down, that is where you start my start of the week, Will Fuller. Will Fuller plays against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this week, who we all know are dead last in the NFL against wide receivers. And after he came back from a multi-game absence with the hamstring injury, he had a seven-catch, 140-yard game against the Indianapolis Colts. After that game, we actually did a fantasy film room on Will Fuller and we said, hey, you probably bench him the next three weeks in tough matchups, which was the New England Patriots, where he had one point and actually left with an injury, the Denver Broncos, which he missed, and then the Tennessee Titans, where he was very mediocre uh, this past week in in a pretty tough matchup. And we said, after those three games, you play him against Tampa Bay in the championship week if healthy and you need upside. And here we are. He's healthy. He played 94% of snaps last week. He had five catches on seven targets in that game, so he didn't bust for a touchdown, but if he would have, that would have turned it into an incredible game. We know Deshaun Watson loves to go deep to Will Fuller, and there's a 50 and a half point over-under in this game against Tampa, so I think there's a really good chance for Fuller to get a deep ball. I think he's going to get a good amount of volume. So Will Fuller is my boom upside start of the week at wide receiver for the championship.
0: I love that take there. And honestly, as you went through some of those stats, actually, I think you did yourself a disservice a little bit saying he's such a, you know, kind of a deep starter, an upside guy. I think you can plug into a lot of flex lineups. Um, You know, I would take him over a guy like Terry McLaurin. I would take him over a guy like, uh, Marvin Jones. You know, plug Will Fuller in there with confidence. I-, I love him this week. The game stripped should be in his favor and we've seen what he can do. I mean, he had a five touchdown game earlier this year. So I, I love that pick there. I mean, I will say
1: I am tempted to start Marvin Jones from the IR, but I think I'm going to roll with Fuller
0: instead. <laughs> My bad. I missed that one. You know, you're, you're on the fly here. You're just pulling up names. Uh, <laughs> what are some more wide receivers that are kind of in that Will Fuller range though, just so we can you know, kind of figure out where he stands? What about D.D. Westbrook? Yeah, I think you know, after D.D. kind of burned you last week, we thought he was going to be fantastic. Only had about five fantasy points. So, yeah, absolutely, I, I would go with Will Fuller. What about Brashad Perriman? Now, that's a tough one. Um, I'm seeing a lot of Brashad Perriman love on Twitter right now. But, uh, you know, after last week's deep shot call and, and my love for Jameis Winston, I would say Perriman on that one. Last one, DK Metcalf. Yeah, that one's pretty tough for me. I do think Will Fuller's going to see more volume. I mean, Metcalf has a good matchup too against Arizona. Man, that, I mean, it's tough. Um, I think you can go either way on that one. I think they're about even. With Josh Gordon out, which is something I didn't really think about, you know, maybe Metcalf does get a slight uptick in volume, but, you know, we've seen him have a lot of games where he has, you know, two receptions for 36 yards, um, you know, around that stat line. So, man, it, it's tough, but. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? I mean, I'm going with my start of the week. Will Fuller over DK Metcalf this week.
1: Steph, let's hear your wide receiver start of the week.
0: Yeah, so for the kind of the meta for going back to the well, you know, picking a guy two weeks in a row has been evolving on this show. You went back to the well for the third time uh, when you brought up Tannehill for the uh, two weeks in a row, and it panned out for you. So I'm doing the same thing after going back to the well on Baker. I'm going again, and I'm going to double down on Broncos' second-year wideout, Cortland Sutton. You've seen my film rooms on Sutton. You know I love the way he plays. He's the main receiving option, only competing in targets with Noah Fant. And he has a fantastic matchup against the second-worst defense against receivers in the Detroit Lions. We've seen some solid games from Drew Locke. I think the confidence for him is still there, even with the, the snow game, just based on the way he's played so far. And Sutton's never really relied on volume through this rough season for the Broncos' QB position. He averages four and a half receptions a game. And I know he burned fantasy owners in week 12, where he only had one reception for 27 yards against Buffalo. But that's why I want to tell fantasy owners to let that game go and start what has been a safe guy with upside in Cortland Sutton. Sutton is a prime Wide receiver two because he's matchup dependent and sometimes unreliable, but he does have a relatively safe floor with touchdown potential every once in a while. I like Sutton a lot in week 16 as a wide receiver two or a flex play.
1: Love it. Now moving on to the tight end position, Steph, my tight end start of the week. Jacob Hollister. Wow. It seems like every week one of us just picks out whoever's playing the Arizona Cardinals and chooses them as our start of the week. I know last week you actually had David Njoku. He was a surprise and active for that game, and Ricky Seals Jones ended up having a fantastic game. You actually gave Njoku the touchdown guarantee. Ricky Seals Jones was able to fill in and get that touchdown. So if you were relying on Njoku, hopefully you were able to pivot to Ricky Seals Jones with that great match. Up last week. So so yeah, Jacob Hollister this week plays the Cardinals. They're last against tight ends. They give up 19.6 points per game to that position, which is absurd for the tight end position. They've actually given up 15 touchdowns to the tight end in 14 games. So I'm not a huge math guy, but I really like those odds of getting in the end zone. <laughs> and, and yeah, we've seen big games from Jacob Hollister before. He had 19.7 in week nine and then 20.2 in week 10 And since that Will Disley injury, he's been the starter for six games and he's seeing six targets a game. So at the tight end spot, you can do a lot worse with your target share. Josh Gordon going out, which you just alluded to a bit earlier. I mean, Gordon wasn't super involved, but that could mean, who knows, an extra target or two for Jacob Hollister. And, yeah, at the end of the day, this one is all about the matchup. Roll out Jacob Hollister with confidence against the Cardinals this week. I love him in DFS. I think he is a great start at tight end.
0: I love it. Completely agree. And, I mean, I'm giving you the touchdown guarantee again. I think Jacob Hollister scores at least one touchdown in this game. Now my tight end start of the week is OJ Howard guy. Just dropped a film room on. We kind of have that film room love. You see, uh, you know, we get a little bit more confident in some of the players that we break down over film, but it's because we actually do believe what we're putting into those shows. And, O.J. Howard's trending up over his last three games. he scored more than 10 points in PPR leagues, making him a fringe tight end one each of those weeks. We know Jameis Winston and Bruce Arians like to throw the ball, and with Mike Evans and now Chris Godwin injured and ruled out, someone is going to need to catch the almost 19 targets a game that those two wide receivers were getting. So to me, O.J. Howard is a guy you can plug in at tight end if you're streaming the position or have to start a guy like Dallas Goddard, Jimmy Graham, or John Smith. Based on his matchups, his athletic ability, his role in the Buccaneers offense, I think he is a guy you can plug into week 16 uh, lineups regardless of those nasty season averages. Uh, after Mike Evans left in week 15, Howard was on the field for 87% of the snaps in this game compared to Cameron Brate's 30%. In week 15, Howard was on the field for 88% of snaps as opposed to Cameron Brate's 41%. So more than double the amount of time on the field. I think Howard is a safe tight end stream that will win a lot of people championships this year. Uh, and he has upside too. So if he pops off even better, he may even save you in the championship. We've talked about what Winston can do and a report came out of Tampa yesterday that that Winston had a a private meeting with both the tight ends and told him, hey, it's your time to step up. So the fantasy season to come full circle, Uh, the guy who was once dropped due to being the biggest bust of the year is now a tight end stream in championship week. I love it. I really hope for Howard's sake he is
1: able to put together a really – a really strong finish to the season. And hey, if you've got the Jameis OJ Howard stack, maybe you came out of the draft this year with that and you were very disappointed over the first few games. Well, as you said, it's coming full circle. And if you've got that stack,
0: you can expect a very strong game this week. Now, moving over to our week 16 deep shots. As a reminder, these are guys that you start if you're in a pinch. Uh, maybe you had you know an injured player that uh, you need to fill in a gap for. Um... I didn't want to go as deep with both of my picks this week. Uh, Last week, I had a guy like Tariq Cohen as one of my deep shots. And this is kind of the the same realm that I'm looking at for championship week. Uh, So it might be a guy you've held on to for way too long. You never know when to start him. Uh, But I have two wide receivers as my deep shots. I'll go ahead and give you the first one, which some may find as pretty spicy, but it's Terry McLaurin. McLaurin is a guy who is near the top for rookie of the year for me, and Even with a rough patch when Dwayne Haskins took over the offense, Terry McLaurin has been incredible. He scored a touchdown over the last two weeks, scoring 16 and 24 fantasy points those weeks. And I found an interesting tweet last week from Scott Barrett, analyst for Pro Football Focus. Listen to this. Per Pro Football Focus player grades, Terry McLaurin has been graded as a 84.5 in his rookie year. So at Pro Football Focus, they look at all the stats for the player. They look at their route trees, their separation, all these other stats. And McLaurin's grade is third all time for a rookie wide receiver. Here are some of the other top rookie seasons. Notice all of these guys have been great. Odell Beckham Jr., Michael Thomas, Mike Evans, Antonio Brown, Keenan Allen, Tyreek Hill, Doug Baldwin, Chris Godwin. I mean, these are all players that have been some of the most elite names in the game for a good while. I'm sold on McLaurin and I think any quarterback upgrade he gets is only going to do more for him in the future. I love the F1 McLaurin in Dynasty, and I love him as a flex or wide receiver too if you're desperate in Week 16. That's a great pick, and that's some pretty elite company there for Terry McLaurin, hopefully
1: for Redskins fans. that I mean, hopefully he turns out to be as good as some of those guys. I know they desperately need any hint of positivity in that organization right now, but it really looks like they've got something special there in McLaurin. So my first deep shot, I've actually got three this week. My first one is a little bit more chalk, a guy that's probably more realistic to get the start. And and the second two are going to be more of DFS plays uh, or, or maybe a super deep league flyer. So I'll go ahead and start with the first guy that I think you can plug into your lineup this week. And it's Anthony Miller. They play the Chiefs, the Bears play the Chiefs, who are second against wide receivers this season. But anytime you go against the Kansas City Chiefs, you know you're going to need to throw the ball. I wouldn't be surprised to see Mitch Trubisky throw the ball 40 or 50 times in this game. And Anthony Miller has been awesome since Taylor Gabriel went out with an injury. Over the past five games, Anthony Miller is seeing 10 targets per game He's averaging 17.6 fantasy points per game over that stretch. And over that stretch, he is actually wide receiver 8. He's ahead of Edelman, Landry, Galladay, Cup, Diggs. These are guys that you're plugging into your lineup, no questions asked. And Anthony Miller just is not getting the respect, even though he is putting together incredible weeks, game in and game out. I think Anthony Miller is a fine start this week in your flex and he could end up winning you a championship
0: love that take there I think Anthony Miller was a guy that a lot of folks had circled coming into the league and we've just kind of been waiting for that breakout and we've seen flashes of it but yeah I think he has arrived and you can plug him in Now, my second deep shot of the week is a guy we mentioned a little bit ago it's Mike Williams wide receiver for the Los Angeles Chargers I almost said San Diego (laughs) and Williams is actually having a bit of a mini breakout so to speak this year uh, shout out to Benny Bucks who mentioned him in our last film room episode in the YouTube comments I actually didn't notice that Williams is close to almost a thousand yards on the season since his bye he is averaging 16 fantasy points a game we've seen Williams really take over most of the snaps that were going Hunter Henry's way and now the risk for Williams to me is if the Chargers decide to sit Phillip Rivers but if, if Rivers is in this game, I think Williams is a safe guy, just like we said for some other names here in the deep shot segment, like Hunter Renfro and Chris Conley, you know, guys that are safe for 12 or more points. I think Mike Williams is, you know, right in that range. So if you're one of those teams that has a monster roster and, you know, even if you don't, but you want to plug in Mike Williams at your flex spot, I really don't mind it. He's, I think he's extremely safe and he has a great matchup against Oakland at home in the battle for the Bay. I think he's as safe as they come, especially considering he has scored in his last two games. Wow, you just blew my mind.
1: I had to fact-check you that Mike Williams was that close to 1,000 yards on the season, and it really looks like he's going to get there. He's closing in on 1,000 yards, and Mike Williams, to me, it felt like he was a bust, and here he is actually piecing together a pretty decent season. So I love that call, and maybe that explains why Hunter Henry – has not been as efficient and not seeing as much volume over the past few weeks. Maybe there's a little bit of a correlation there. Nevertheless, I love that call, and I think you can definitely plug him in. Moving forward to my second deep shot of the week, this is a guy who, in a deep league, I do think you can flex, and he is also a fantastic DFS option. We've talked about this game a lot. It's Justin Watson for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Buccaneers play the Texans, who are 17th against the receiver. We know that Mike Evans is out. We know that Chris Godwin is out. But Scotty Miller, their third receiver, is actually also out. And in week 14, when Mike Evans left the game early, Scotty Miller was inactive for that game. Justin Watson saw five catches for 59 yards and a touchdown on eight targets. So heading into this week, you look at the season, and Jameis Winston is leading the NFL in passing yards. He's throwing for 327 yards a game. They can't all go to Perriman and O.J. Howard. So I think Justin Watson is actually a fairly safe play. I think five catches for 50 yards is his floor in this game. So if you're in a real bind, if you're in a deep league, maybe you have a deep bench in your league and you need to pick someone off, off the
0: waiver wire, Justin Watson's a guy you can look to. Wow, you actually just blew my mind a little bit on Justin Watson. I think I might be plugging him in there in some DFS lineups. Yeah,
1: speaking of DFS lineups, my my third deep shot, we're getting a little bit of bonus coverage here is Steven Sims Jr. for the Washington Redskins, and I know this sounds absurd, but in DFS lineups, I think he's actually a pretty valid upside play on the cheap. He's been a utility player and returner all year. I think early on in the season, there were a couple times on a game cast or something, I saw S. Sims, 65-yard touchdown. I'm sitting there thinking, like, who the heck is this guy? But just listen to this timeline and let me know what you think. So in week 14, Trey Quinn for the Redskins is inactive, so Sims gets the start at receiver. In that game, Sims has four catches for 40 yards on seven targets. Pretty good game. In week 15, Trey Quinn is inactive again with a concussion. Leading up to that week 15 game, on Friday, the offensive coordinator came out and said, hey, we need to get Steven Sims the ball more. In that week 15 game, Sims had five catches for 45 yards and a touchdown on 11 targets. Shortly after that game, Trey Quinn was put on IR with a concussion. So... This week they play the Giants, who are 25th against receivers, and it sounds like they have a lot of confidence in Steven Sims. A concussion isn't really a reason to go on IR most of the time, so the fact that they did go ahead and put Quinn on IR shows me that they have a lot of plans to get Sims involved. And coming off of that 11-target game and another good matchup against the Giants, I think he's a really sneaky play in DFS that can help you win this week.
0: Wow, I love it. It looks like we both love that Redskins matchup against the Giants. With you know Terry McLaurin, plug him in your lineups in the championship, maybe as a flex, uh, and then throwing your DFS guy in, in Stephen Sims. I love that take there. I think it speaks to you know how good that matchup is and what we expect from this Redskins offense. As it looks like there's they're at least making some some marginal progress, and Haskins is getting a little bit more comfortable. So now let's move over to a new segment, one we're going to do just for championship week. We might continue to do it next year, but this segment is called The Unstartables. So what we're going to do is give you three players that would typically be, you know, maybe on the verge as a starter or maybe they're a streamer. Uh, and we want to explain why you would not want to start or even touch them in a championship lineup. So essentially we're fading guys that we think are going to bust this week. Uh, and I'll go first. My first one is David Montgomery. He's the RB22 on the year, but over the last nine games, he's had only four of them with more than seven fantasy points. Tariq Cohen is being utilized more in the Bears' offense, and Montgomery, to me, just hasn't looked that great. Um, He's shown minor flashes, but I do think he is a trap for fantasy owners in the championship.
1: I think that's a a great call there, Steph. Montgomery has burned owners time and time again this year. He has had a couple of good games, but it seems like he's so touchdown dependent, and I just don't know if he's going to do it on a week-in and week-out basis. So if possible, definitely pivot away from David Montgomery. My first unstartable is also a running back, and it's Sony Michelle. This past week was his first double-digit fantasy point week since week seven. Drop him. It was also in a great matchup against Cincinnati. It's not going to be that way this week. They play the Buffalo Bills, who are 12th against running backs, only giving up 23 points per game in PPR formats. When you look at that 23 number, that's split between Michelle, James White, Rex Burkhead, I don't think there's going to be much to go around for Sony. He's actually rostered in 88% of leagues on ESPN, and he's being started in 37%, according to their metrics. So I, I think that's absolutely crazy. He has a higher start percentage than Mostert, than James Conner, than even Adrian Peterson. And those are all, all three guys that I would easily start over Sony Michelle this week in my championship.
0: 100%. Sony Michelle is, is droppable to me. And we talked about him on last week's episode as, hey, drop him so you aren't tempted to start him uh, in what was a good matchup. Now he doesn't even have a good matchup. So, yeah, I think he's uh, he's one you just let go. Uh, but speaking of another kind of messy backfield, I want to fade both Matt Breida and Tevin Coleman this week. You know, the worry for me isn't either guy's talent, it's just the volume and kind of randomness of where the points are going for San Francisco's backfield. And I think either one or both of these players could actually have pretty good fantasy days, but with the way the 49ers offense has been going, I don't think you want to risk your season this hard. I mean, I would rather start a guy like Tariq Cohen, Patrick Laird, or Adrian Peterson over Coleman or Breda. I mean, right now, Mostert is the only one I would maybe flex against the Rams at home. I probably would actually put Mostert in there if I'm desperate, maybe at RB2 spot or a flex, but man, I, I don't want to touch Matt Breda or Tevin Coleman. Alex, do you agree? I agree with you hundred percent. Yeah. Mostert's
1: probably the only guy in my consideration set in the 49ers backfield. And yeah, Coleman and Breda have just been so disappointing. I'm definitely pivoting away as well. So moving on to my second unstartable, we talked about him earlier on the show. It's Emmanuel Sanders, In the championship, I'm not counting on Sanders. He's been incredibly boomer-bust this season. We said it over his past six games. He's only been over eight fantasy points one time. His high in targets since joining the 49ers is nine. We know that they love to run the football. Their number one target is far and away George Kittle. And Debo Samuel has really emerged as what feels like their number one target uh, from the receiver group. So... I'm not starting Emmanuel Sanders in my championship. He's owned in 91% of ESPN leagues, and he's being started in 52%. Incredible. He's being started. He's got a higher start percentage excuse me, than A.J. Brown, Michael Gallup, Christian Kirk, Terry McLaurin, Will Fuller. Those are all guys I would love to start over Emmanuel Sanders this week. So if you have the opportunity to pivot, now is your chance to go grab one of those guys or plug him in off of your bench and roll him out there for the championship
0: I agree 100 doesn't look like they're looking to Sanders that much uh in you know a standard game script you know we saw him blow up against the Saints but that was such a weird kind of one-off game it was like the highest scoring game of the season or maybe one of the highest scoring in the last you know decade or so uh, I'm with you there Sanders uh, you just can't rely on him in the championship now the last one that I want to throw out there and it's a guy I've talked about a lot it's Jamison Crowder and i've talked about him so much this year through both the good and the bad and you know i had to add him in here you know any flex question i've read about crowder whether it was last week or this week it, everyone's getting to no know from me he had a great game against the ravens to everyone's surprise but prior to that he had burned fantasy owners for 3 games in a row you just can't trust him without inconsistent the jets are and their matchup with a above average defense in the steelers i just could not tell anyone to start crowder this week I think he could go off, but I think he could also lose you a game. And and I like that he's at home, but to me, I think it's a trap. The Steelers' defense is what has really won them eight games this year, and the Jets look like they're going to implode in any minute. And some of the games, Crowder has disappeared. and some of the games where the Jets have done really, really well. So it's not matchup dependent. There's not anything we can take away from that. And just to me, there's too much iffiness with Crowder for me to feel comfortable with him over any other flex option uh, near him in that top 30 wide receiver range.
1: I could not agree with you more. Crowd, don't chase those points with Crowder from last week. He has... It's
0: it's certainly very tempting. You see the 27. It feels good. It looks good. It was a tough matchup, but it, it looks can be deceiving. I think Crowder is a trap.
1: Yeah, I mean, the three matchups before that, he had Oakland, Cincinnati, and Miami, and his best game was three catches for 29 yards. So it's it's tough. He, he hasn't showed up when he should. I mean, he's actually had a couple good games earlier in the season, but... You're absolutely right. In this tough matchup, I cannot imagine myself starting Jamison Crowder. So quickly, I'll talk about my last unstartable. And I don't know that this is a guy that's in your lineup, but I know he was in a lot of lineups earlier in the season, and that's Jacoby Brissett. I hate to say it for my Colts, but you just cannot start Jacoby Brissett. They play the Carolina Panthers, who are 11th against quarterbacks. But since Brissett came back from that injury, he just has not been the same. He's only averaging 14 points a game, which for the quarterback position is not great. I expect the Colts to run the ball well. I know we talked about Marlon Mack a lot today. I don't think they're going to need a ton of passing volume. I expect them to to hold Will Greer and the Panthers in check. So I think... They're going to run. I, I can't see a big ceiling for Brissett in this game. And he's rostered in 50% of leagues, only being started in 19%. But he has a higher start percentage than Ryan Fitzpatrick, Phillip Rivers, Jared Goff. I would start all three of those guys over Brissett, especially Ryan Fitzpatrick, who we talked about earlier on the show as my start of the week. If you're sitting there and Jacoby is in your lineup, go ahead and pivot, pick up Ryan Fitzpatrick, plug him in for the championship.
0: I like that pick there as well. Now let's move away from fantasy here and let's get into some of the takeaways from week 15. The first one I want to talk about, which is going to be an amazing division to watch this upcoming week, is the NFC North. And the Packers beat the Bears at home 21-13. to I thought for a little bit there, the Bears had a chance to come back. We saw a little bit of... Dropped coverages from the Packers. I was kind of worried about their secondary there towards the end of the game. It seems like they were one or two plays away from really bringing it back. Um, you know, what's the the outlook for the Packers? I think we can both agree it's pretty pretty positive. Um, but what about the Bears? Are are they
1: done? Yeah, the Bears are certainly done this season. They can't make the playoffs. The Packers seem like they're flying a bit under the radar. They're they're always we always consider them a contender because they have Aaron Rodgers. But this year they're eleven and three. And it feels like everyone's talking about the Niners and the Saints and Seattle. And the Packers aren't really getting any love. But, I mean, they're tied for that one seed in the NFC. And if the ball bounces their way and they get some help and they're able to win out, they could easily have that one seed. On the other side of the coin, if they lose to the Vikings this week, they might not even win the division. So, again, here we are talking about the competitive NFC. Um, But, yeah, I think the Packers are a real dark horse. And with Aaron Rodgers, you know they're going to be able to make some noise in the playoffs. And, and we'll see what happens. And then on the Bears side, I think they're looking to next year. Do you think what? Do you think Trubisky's going to be their quarterback next season?
0: Unfortunately, I think he's shown just enough that they're going to keep him around for another year. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if they did pivot. But – I don't know what other options are out there. Maybe they try to go get a guy like Cam Newton or Phillip Rivers, but I don't know. I I feel like Trubisky has a chance of still being there, although it is slim. Maybe they even draft a guy just to apply some pressure to Trubisky if things start to go south.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I think maybe they could sign a veteran that is at least a capable quarterback just to put some pressure on. I think that could actually fuel Trubisky a little bit. Uh, And maybe help him continue. I mean, since we destroyed him on the podcast, since I kind of ripped him a new one, he's actually been okay. We've seen him play pretty well in a couple games and then not so great in a couple games. So maybe he just needs to have a little bit of a fire lit underneath him, and he could take that next step. So moving on to another game this week. The Texans were able to go into Nashville and beat the Titans. They now are in the driver's seat for the AFC South. Steph, what are your biggest takeaways from this one?
0: I think the biggest takeaway is, you know, the Titans are good. Um, I mean, they only lost by three points at home in this game, but they're still not that, you know, super dominant offense that we saw. I know the Texans are scary. I mean, they're 9-5, and but – we saw the Titans; they were, you know, the second highest scoring NFL since Tannehill's taken over as their starter. I thought they would actually come out and win this one at home, making that AFC South a little bit more interesting. But you no, know, the Texans are, you know, the reigning champs. There, maybe the Titans in Week 17, uh, who they they play the same matchup again. You know, maybe the Titans are a little bit more prepared and they go into Houston and upset them. But you now, to me, it, my takeaway is: Hey, the Texans are the AFC South champion, um, and. While they have been a little bit iffy at times, I do like their team overall. Uh, I don't think they're Super Bowl contenders quite yet, but they're certainly on the cusp and could, you know, make some upsets on the way uh, in the playoffs. Love it, yeah. What do you think
1: happens? I mean, I know we just talked about Trubisky and the Bears. Let's talk about the Titans. What do you think
0: happens to Marcus Mariota next season? I think he's gone. Uh, I don't know what his contract situation looks like, but I mean, to me, like you see the play on the field, you see how much. Tannehill has improved that entire team. Like everyone's playing better, the defense is playing better. Uh, Derrick Henry had a, a stretch of amazing games prior to this one, so yeah, I, I, I like Tannehill a lot. I think he just needed to to enter a different system. You know, going back to you know Adam GaSe ruining a lot of players. That's something that's been talked about a lot in the media this week, and it's something that you know we, we're seeing. Um, so, yeah, I do like Tannehill. I think he has the talent. I think he starts. And, uh, unfortunately, I think Mariota's done. I-, I like Mariota a lot. Maybe he can end up as a backup somewhere or for a team that's maybe a little bit desperate. But, yeah, man, ride with Tannehill. I love it. Yeah, Tannehill has certainly been fantastic this year. Hey, maybe uh, the
1: Buccaneers will sign Marcus Mariota to put some pressure on Jameis, and we'll see that number one and number two pick
0: from that draft class be able to battle it out in the quarterback room. So one of the last couple games I want to talk about here – was the Raiders. They lost their final game at home in the black hole to what's been a pretty bad Jaguars team this year. They lost 20-16. to 16. Uh, I, I felt pretty bad for the Oakland fans. They've, they've been through a lot with that team, through all the ups and downs, and we thought the Raiders were kind of turning it on. They looked like playoff contenders for a little bit. They were only one game back from Kansas City prior to that game uh, where they played each other, but yeah, I guess the Raiders are kind of the same old Raiders. Um, has been an improvement from last year, but I just feel terrible for their fan base. That last game in the Bay in Oakland, and, you know, they just kind of throw it away. You thought maybe the hype and the excitement would carry them to a win, but it seems like they're imploding a little bit.
1: Absolutely. It actually felt like the Raiders dominated this game the entire way. the entire way through. Your start of the week, Gardner Minshew, I I plugged him into some FanDuel lineups like I referred to earlier, and I was bummed all game because he just was not getting it done. I thought the Raiders were up by like 30 points, and before you know it, the Jaguars have the ball, and they're driving to win the game, and they did just that. So, yeah, it looks like the Raiders are done. I do think they still have some promise moving forward. They've had some injuries this year and things like that. I think their young rookie class is going to turn into a really good one. I'm not quite sold on Derek Carr. I think they might actually need to make a change at quarterback. But there's going to be a lot of options this offseason, so maybe, like we've said, maybe the popular thing to do is going to, going to be to bring in a Andy Dalton or a Mariota or one of these veterans, a Nick Foles, just to put some pressure on and, and create some competition. So, so yeah, the Raiders are done. They're technically not eliminated from the playoffs, but I do know it's an uphill battle. And, and yeah, so Steph, for the sake of time— I do want to touch on some more big games this week, but I'm going to blow through these really quickly. At the end, I'm going to have you maybe pick out two or three things that are your biggest takeaways from the rest of the games, uh, and we'll kind of go from there into games that we like this week. So I'll start out quickly. The Cardinals upset the Browns. It looks like the Browns are done. They technically could make the playoffs still. They have to win out. The Titans have to lose out. The Steelers have to lose out, and the Colts have to win out. So I had so much difficulty with that. You can pretty much assume the Browns are done this year. Remains to be seen what happens with Freddie Kitchens and that organization moving forward. We talked about the Cowboys destroying the Rams. I would throw that game out. But this week, a showdown between the Cowboys and Eagles in the NFC East is going to be awesome. Um, The Falcons were upset, or the Falcons upset the 49ers. Actually, twice, because they called a touchdown for Hooper. They called it back, and then Julio was able to get the touchdown catch. Um, So the Niners have kind of been struggling here lately. And then the Bills beat the Steelers on the road in a grinded-out game. Both AFC wildcard teams, both defensive teams. Looks like neither are Super Bowl contenders, but both look fairly strong right now. And last but not least, the Saints dominated the Colts on Monday Night Football Drew Brees set the career touchdown passes record and actually set the single game completion percentage record going 29 of 30 in that game. So, Steph, I'm out of breath. Tell me what you liked from these games. Anything else you got to add?
0: Yeah, unfortunately, my Browns are done. I don't even want to talk about that team anymore. Uh, Drew Brees, that that was a really fun game to watch, even though uh, it was kind of lopsided. I mean, Brees completing 29 for 30 of his passes, like, that's insane. I mean, to me, that's at the level of, like, Brett Favre's dad game. Like every one of the receivers was making incredible catches, putting their bodies on the line to make the receptions. And it just speaks to Drew Brees' leadership, his respect uh, in the NFL league-wide and and in that locker room. And, you know, that's his legacy that – it speaks to his legacy, I should say, that his teammates would sacrifice that much for their quarterback. So love Drew Brees. That was kind of the – it was a Drew Brees love fest on uh, ESPN during that game. And the only other game I wanted to comment on was the Cowboys – the Cowboys beating the brakes off the Rams at homes at home. That was a statement game for them, and I don't know if it's just hey, we're picking it up a little bit because Jason Garrett's on the hot seat. I don't know where this comes from, and this is kind of the Cowboys that we always see. Like it seems like one week we're saying they're you know the worst team in the NFC, they don't deserve to make the playoffs, and the next week we're saying hey, they're one of the best teams. They could upset some people. That's kind of what just the Cowboys are. They're name is always going to be uh in the media they're one of the most talked about teams Um, but i do think this was a, a statement game for them i definitely had la uh to win this one so i was pretty surprised how that ended and then uh shout out to the falcons for the dirty birds taking down the niners putting them in a really tough position now the seahawks uh are the front runners uh, in that division in the uh, NFC West. So yeah, very interesting. The uh, That loss of the Falcons there could mean a lot for the 49ers playoff and Super Bowl uh, implications. So we talked about the Buffalo Bills. Let's move into our games look forward to in week 16. I know we're running a little bit wrong, uh, long here, so let's try to speed it up a little. But the Bills go into Foxborough Surprising to me, the, the Patriots are six and a half point favorites in this game. I would expect the Bills to keep it closer than that. Um, I think that was another statement game for them in a tough battle against the Steelers, AFC wild card battle. Yeah, I actually think the Bills, I don't think they're going to win, but I do think this will be a closer game than Vegas expects. It's the lowest over under on the week. I'm with you 100%, especially in a low over under. I
1: don't know how the Pats are favored by six and a half points. But one thing I will say, this game is on Saturday, and if the Bills do beat the Patriots, the Ravens clinch the one seed in the AFC. So there is a non-zero chance that the Ravens rest their starters this week. So just keep an eye out for that. I think three weeks would be a little bit too long for them to rest their starters because it would be this week, next week, and the bye. So I I do expect them to play their starters regardless. But keep an eye out on Lamar and Ingram and Andrews and some of those guys because if the Bills beat the Pats, the Ravens don't really have anything to play for for the rest of the regular season. But I'm with you. I think the Patriots do win this one at
0: home. Now another one to talk about. The NFC East battle. This is the trash bowl. It's the Cowboys who go into Philly and play the Eagles. The Eagles are two and a half point underdogs at home. 46 and a half point over under. So relatively high scoring uh, projection here from Vegas. Who do you think takes this one? Uh, my gut says the Cowboys, but I don't know. They're so up and down. The Cowboys are actually two and a half point road favorites. And
1: I think... I want the Eagles to win, but I think the Cowboys win, unfortunately. I think we're all sick of the Cowboys and the drama, and they get all sorts of chances. I would love to see the Eagles win this game. I just don't think they do it. I think the Cowboys are able to go into Philly and win. Um, And and like you said earlier, the Cowboys are a team that if they get hot and they do make the playoffs, they've got talent on that roster. They've got actually some pretty good experience as well. So if I'm a team that has to go into Dallas wildcard weekend and play a playoff game, for example, if the 49ers are a wildcard team, they could have to go to Dallas and play in Jerry World. And wow, that is a scary, scary matchup for a 49ers team that – has felt like they've been dominant all season long. We would definitely have to put them on alert in that one if we see Dak and Zeke continue to play as they have over the past few weeks.
0: Now, last one I want to talk about is the NFC North battle for the division. It's the 11-3 Packers at Minnesota. The Vikings are 10-4 and the Vikings are actually am I reading this right Alex the Vikings are projected to win by four and a half
1: points yeah the line has actually moved to five and a half since we started recording this podcast
0: I was shocked Wow, that's a big deal. I think this is going to be a great game. There's going to be a lot of fantasy implication here, uh, a lot of implications for both teams in terms of of a playoff, a divisional hunt. Uh, I think it's going to be a great one, and it's on Monday night, so everything's going to come down to the wire in this one, both for fantasy fans and for football fans. Uh, Alex, anything to say about this game or any others that you want to throw out there as, as key ones to watch in Week 16?
1: Yeah, I think this game is going to be good. I I mean, it's Monday Night Football. It's likely going to determine this division. It's primetime Kirk Cousins. We've talked about it before. Is this when he finally shows up in primetime? I don't know. It is in Minnesota. It's going to be a good one. I, I have the Packers to actually cover the spread. That seems like a really big spread, but I do have the Vikings to win at home. So, so, yeah, this one's going to be interesting. I think it's close, but I think the Vikings pull it out, and that's going to make this whole NFC playoff picture even more complex going into Week 17. Um, but, yeah, this is definitely the one I have circled on my schedule, and it's going to be awesome to see this Aaron Rodgers versus Kirk Cousins showdown on Monday night.
0: Yeah, you think if Dalvin Cook is healthy and and ready to go, you feel a lot more confident in the Vikings. I don't know. To me, that could be the kind of the deal breaker there. I actually have the Packers taking this one just barely on the road. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. It's been a fantastic show, a fantastic season. We're so hyped. We've got a lot of big plans moving into the 2020 season. Um, we're going to be coming up with some different ways that you know we can give you guys more value, whether that's live streams, maybe a draft kit, maybe some other things like that. Um, we really want to take a, a step up in the offseason, so we'll be hard at work. I uh, Hope you guys have a great championship week. Good luck to all of you. Uh, and, again, if you have any last-minute start sit questions, let us know on Twitter at DoubleMoveSport. You can also DM us screenshots of your lineup. We'd be happy to check that out, kind of do a little audit uh, if you'd like us to as always, I'm Steph. I'm signing off here with Alex. Alex, send us out. Anything to say to the people before we sign off? Good luck this weekend, everyone. It's been awesome
1: to to see how many of our followers have actually been able to make it to this championship weekend. So good luck to everyone. Keep us posted. We want to see your mashups. We want to see how things are going on Saturday and on Sunday. And, and as always, hopefully we can help lead teams to victories and help get some double-move sport listeners some championships this season. It's been awesome to, to join in on the fun this year and get to talk fantasy over the past few weeks. We're looking forward to next year, and good luck again to everyone this weekend.
0: Let's go.